0: Hey everyone, Kyle here with a brief editing note before the episode starts. Uh, We were very fortunate to have William Herkovitz join us for this episode to talk about our top 10 board games of the decade. And I just want you to know about 30 minutes in, we do lose William due to a power outage that he suffered, and he does join us again at about the one hour mark or so. But right when he comes back in, Josh and I are talking to him, but you won't hear any audio from him because for whatever reason, about 10 to 15 seconds of audio on his part didn't record. So for just a very brief time, Josh and I are going to be talking to him and you won't hear anything from his end. It's just basically us welcoming him back to the show. Uh, It'll sound odd for a second, but I promise it clears right up after that. So thanks so much and enjoy the episode. Borders, and welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the Pandemic Legacy Season 1 and terraforming Mars of gaming podcasts. We're a proud part of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who never stops gaming after 12 months, Josh, how are you doing?
1: I was playing Gloomhaven until 2 a.m., and then my son was up at 5 a.m., so I am tired. (laughs) But you're here. But I'm here, and he's not, so the house is nice and quiet.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Hey, while Pandemic Legacy Season 1 and Terraforming Mars are two amazing (gasps) games released in the last decade, they cannot quite topple the Goliath that is Gloomhaven. And the person providing the luminary light that Josh and I so aspire to William Herkovitz, welcome back to the show, sir. Glad to be back. Third time.
1: That's, that's right. It. And that's you it. You are the number one guest.
2: <laughs> yes!
0: Of the
1: past so you decade. Are the top, yeah, you're the top <laughs>
0: guest of the decade. Congratulations. Thank you.
2: Are you putting together a list of the top ten guests of the decade?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing I it right now. Be,
0: I think there'll be ten people on it, probably. Yeah. Um, but William, we're really thankful to have you back on the show. Obviously, you've, like you said, you've been on the show multiple times before. Uh, before we jump into the whole topics of the show and all that good stuff, we do want to give some time for you to talk about the stuff you have been working on and doing. So, t- off the top, how is your top fifty list currently sitting?
2: It's going great, guys. I, um, you know, my fiance left for a work trip on another continent on Friday, and I've spent the last two days with my South African and Ugandan friends here, play testing board games. Like the, the last twenty, last forty eight hours, I think twenty of them have been spent over cardboard so we played a few chapters of the storybook deck building rpg called tainted grail by awakened realms uh, this is the polish company that did nemesis we played bosk by floodgate games uh have you guys heard about that game yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah the growing trees and falling leaves on a national forest i I didn't expect a whole lot from it. It's, it's great. Uh, so we also played Skullcala, which is this asymmetric two-player game where it's like a Goliath versus Woodland Critters, and one of the playboards is the Goliath because critters can crawl across it while attacking it, which I thought was really great. Um, and then I caught up to a 2018 game that I never got around to called Endeavor Age of Sail, which I don't know. Have uh-huh. you, you guys played
1: that? No. No, but we're aware of it. looks very interesting.
2: I highly recommend it. So it's an exploration nautical game um, that I feel really bad that I missed. Uh, so you're growing an empire by making shipping routes and occupying cities the world over. Um, and uh, it's uh, it's going on my list, even though by the time it gets up there, it's going to be two years too late. But better late <laughs> than never. And then we so played a- the it. Li- yeah, same- yeah.
0: I was going to say, so the last time you updated your list was back in October. October, right? Mm-hmm. When when do we expect the new one? Is it going to be soonish here? Yeah, probably in the next five days. So, probably oh, possibly, dang. yeah, okay. it's
2: possible that it's going to coincide by the time that this podcast comes out.
0: Awesome. Oh, sorry, and then you continue. What else did you were you playing?
2: We played a game called Bloomtown, which is a city building game. Have you guys heard about that one? Sounds familiar, but I don't know it yeah. by memory yeah that's right you, I, you don't need to uh we, it it was it had the unfortunate aspect of being the least colorblind friendly game i've ever played and we started playing and my ugandan buddy simon we he's like he's like i can't see the difference between these cards <laughs> and we're like oh are you colorblind and he responded with that's what they tell me <laughs> which was a great <laughs> yeah it was a great non-admission uh but yeah it literally he it was unplayable for him uh, so i was a little sad but it wasn't that great of a game anyway so he didn't he didn't miss out um, so those are some of the games that are in the that are in the mix. I also I recently played Pax Premier, um, and Nagaraja, Twice as Clever, and Century and New World. And so just I probably five of all the games that I've listed are going to make it into my story update. But all told, gotcha. yeah, it's a lot of games. Even though I still have this like judgmental stack of games, particularly Horrified, Cloudspire, and Core Space that. I have stacked up in a way so that I can see them, so I can feel guilty that I'm not, uh, you know, that I haven't played them yet. But they're going to get in my update probably a few months from now, if they're, if they're as good as I think. Um, yeah, so it's just, it's you know, it's a lot of games.
0: And I know last time we had you on, you had talked about doing a board game awards type column. Has that happened? Is that still happening? What yeah, so I wrote, I, yeah, all
2: of the games are in the Popular Mechanics Board Game of the Year Awards. They're coming out in the next edition. Uh which I, I don't, I th- maybe that's out in the end of the month. They don't, they don't, uh, it could be in the paper edition right now. Honestly, because I live in Rwanda uh, and we don't get the magazine or really mostly any magazines here, I'm not ever 100% clear when this thing is going to hit the shelves. But I assume in the next couple of weeks, my board game awards come
0: out. Very cool. Very cool. Anything else that you have been working on that you'd like to talk about, tell us about, chat about before we kind of jump into the full show here?
2: Uh, do you guys play Dungeons and Dragons? No. (laughs)
0: Uh, This is my big blind spot in gaming. I've never played a tabletop RPG.
2: Really? Oh, man. I I,
0: I dungeon master a Dungeons &
2: Dragons game every Tuesday. So I have a bunch of friends that come over to my house uh, here from uh, a bunch of different continents. And uh, it's just, I don't know, it's great. I play it every Tuesday, so it's kind of less time for me to be playing these new games that I'm reviewing. But it's just so worth it. I I love Dungeons & Dragons. Other than that, that's all I got going on my side.
0: Gotcha. So if I move to Rwanda, can I join your Dungeons & Dragons group? Definitely. We're playing Secrets of
2: Saltmarsh, so you decide what you want to come in as. <laughs>
0: okay. I will, I will see what I can do. I'll, I'll see what jobs are available for me. Awesome. Hey, we are going to jump in straight into the show. We are doing a special group of shows here where we're not doing all of the typical stuff. Uh, so no housekeeping this week. We're just going to very briefly jump into our topic of the show and then on to our best board games of the decade. Uh, with that, William... I know you've played. You play some video games. How, do you follow the Game Awards at all? That just recently happened. I, no, I didn't
2: follow the Game Awards. But when you you told me that it was going to be on the show, I looked up to some of the nominees. So the the most recent game that I purchased, uh, I think, came out in 2013. <laughs> so I, I feel like okay. I'm still working through some of the greats from earlier this decade. So <laughs> I, have you guys played the Talos Principle? That's the one I'm, I'm like really excited to like boot it up after this podcast.
0: Actually, interestingly enough, there was a reveal for the Talos principle coming to Switch. I think, if I recall, uh, on the Game Awards, <laughs> it was one of the pr- trailers that they premiered. So you're right with the times, really.
2: Perfect. I'm with the times. No, no, no. So, but um, I, but reading the coverage has convinced me to buy Disco Elysium, which yeah. sounds like it sounds kind of like a schlubby modern alcoholics Dungeons and Dragons.
0: Uh, and so I'm basically sold. that's kind of i think that might be the best description of it i've ever heard (laughs) so we'll cover this really briefly then because we didn't want to wait until next year literally to talk about the game awards. so we'll just very briefly go through uh josh did you have a chance to watch them live
1: i did uh i did i got i got home just in time to to watch them
0: very briefly then overall thoughts of the show and any surprises or things that stood out to you from the winners
1: Um, I mean, it was a good show. Surprisingly, I expected it to be, I mean, it's long, very long. Um, but yeah, I mean, secret stealth drop of the new Xbox console, which was pretty crazy that they did it on that show. Um, I was very surprised that Sekiro won Game of the Year. I was very surprised that Devil May Cry won Action Game. Um, I don't think we... Accurately predicted um, more than fifty percent of the winners. <laughs> I think probably well under fifty percent of the winners. Um, so I, I was very surprised that Smash Brothers beat Mortal Kombat 11 in the best fighting game. Uh, <laughs> there's just uh, there was a lot of surprises. I was happy to see that um, at least Control won uh, some awards. Right. Um, there was a lot of reveals, which was cool. Mm -hmm. um i feel the same thing like disco elysium keeps getting pushed up to like this like front runner for next game i want to try um and yeah i don't know i don't know what about you nothing like nothing besides the xbox announcement nothing like blew me away surprise um right but i was i was happy with it as a whole
0: yeah no, I thought the show, like you said, it got a little long in the tooth, but uh, it, there were some cool reveals. I think the Xbox reveal there, I thought was odd that they had a fan show a month ago, yeah, and then they still choose to do reveal the Xbox Series X at the Game Awards. Uh, Help the new Hellblade looked sweet, like yeah. it looked really good. Yeah, um, but yeah, overall, I thought the show was was fine. That <laughs> Fast and Furious game oh was gosh. pretty rough looking, <laughs> but uh, other than that, yeah. <laughs> Sekiro winning game of the year was interesting. I also thought it was funny that Sekiro isn't involved, at least on the Xbox and PlayStation side in the Game Awards sale. So one game of the year, but you don't get a discount on it. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, but overall, I mean, I thought decisions were pretty good. I wish Control would have gotten more because, you know, obviously our, our love for Control is known well. But that, cause that game was just amazing. But overall, I, I, I don't think they blew it on anything. I don't think there was anything that was completely wrong. I was very sad for you that Mortal Kombat 11 didn't win best fighting game. But I also kind of figured that Smash Brothers would win. So <laughs> I'm sorry for you there. That's but okay. Okay, so what, what's going to win Game of the Year? And, oh, go ahead. Well, no, yeah. I got a
2: question and a comment about about these these game awards. Uh, the first question is: Have you guys actually played the Game of the Year, Sekiro? Do you think do you, you know why people are saying it's such an amazing game? I couldn't.
1: I do know why they're saying it. Um, they're saying it because it's a Dark Souls game, and it just has this reputation of this cultish, crazy following of like this game is so difficult and it's so great, like. It just kind of has that, and I'm not saying that it isn't that game, but that's just kind of the reputation that the Dark Souls games carry with them, Uh, but I have not played it because it is a Dark Souls game.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think it kind of goes along with this year, there was a lot, like, all the nominees were good, but there wasn't a standout game or two this year, and I think it just split a lot of the vote as a result, and this game is 90%, you know, 90% of the weighting is on what the critics say. And I think of all of the games here, Sekiro is the game that most consistently scored really well, other than maybe Smash Brothers. So I think that, you know, Death Stranding was super divisive. Resident Evil 2 people really love, but some people just don't like horror games. So there's a lot of things I think that, and not taking away from the game, I think is probably a very well-made game. Um, But I think, you know, from software games tend to score very well and are critically looked on really positively. So I think that just weighed a lot in its favor.
2: The other thing I want is, to play it. <laughs> the, the other thing is, I want to say about this Xbox reveal. So I saw the video of the Xbox reveal, and then I I tried to like desperately go through Wikipedia to get some information because from what I could tell, what was revealed was a shape like a rectangle yeah. with yeah. no data <laughs> attached to it. And I've never felt more out of the loop But I'm like, "What does the rectangle do?"
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, the problem is they released the specs like a year ago, so it's all like this it how the information is getting released so yeah for someone like you who, who isn't following that it would definitely feel weird just to see this cube gamecube times two released and <laughs> no no technical specs around it but um i think for us the people who already knew we still have to like look back up to see what those specs were because it's been so long since we talked about them
0: Yeah, I just, I'm so amazed that they did it at the Game Awards. I just, it's an odd choice for sure. Yeah. But hey, like I said, Hellblade looks cool. So, yeah. We'll see. (laughs) I will say, I thought that trailer bordered on almost going like almost jumping the shark. Like it almost got cheesy. Yeah. But it didn't get there. It didn't quite get there. So I was into it. I thought it was cool. But I was like, oof, they pushed this a little harder. I might be laughing right now (laughs) instead of being really into this. So, yeah. Now I still have to play the first one, but hey, that's cool. Yeah. Um. All right. So hey, you know, I feel like next year's game of the year uh, discussion is going to be pretty darn interesting, though, when you look at all the games coming out next year, um, and with new consoles launching and all of that stuff. But yeah. So hey, Jeff Keeley, nicely done as always. You know, whether you like the game awards or don't like the game awards, that man puts a lot of work into them. Um. And you know, I think they have overall continually gotten better. So yeah. Props to him. So. All right. Well, with that, we are going to transition to what our topic of the show or our main topic of the show and what we're basically going to talk about this whole episode is our best board games of the decade. And we figured that, you know, William, since he writes the top 50 list for popular mechanics, seems like the perfect guest to have for this. So we're so thankful that you're here. But I really want to start with, you know, and we'll start with you, William. You know, when Josh asked you about, hey, do you want to come on? We're talking about top 10 games of the decade. What did you how did you start formulating your list? How where did your list start at? How many games? Kind of how did you whittle it down to ten games?
2: So I think for me it was a little easy. When you guys emailed me, I think in my response email, ten minutes later, I'm like, okay, I'm thinking these six games already. What are you guys thinking? <laughs> so I, I was kind of ready to jump on. You know, one of my actual jobs is to track what I think are the best games that have come out recently in this decade. So I I mean, I combed through my story, and I included some games that I had to cut in recent years because they came, you know, they became a bit older. Uh, And then I scrolled through BoardGameGeek for uh, games that came out between 2010 and 2014 before I started my list to see if there was anything that I missed. Uh, And then I think I got down to 12 games, and I just had to cut two of them. I, I will say though that that this. Process of making this list is different than something that I would put together for popular mechanics or that I would suggest to people for games that they should buy or that I would tell people are like the best games that everyone would think of uh, the best games of the decade. So these are just what I think are Williams top 10 games of from 2010 to 2020 or 2019. And I know I know I'm skipping three definite games that you guys are probably going to roast me for. So I'm, I'm going <laughs> to wait to see, see those ones <laughs> coming out.
0: Well, we'll see, because we all we all just made our list of favorites, and I have made predictions for both of you as to what I think your number one is going to be. So we'll see how accurate <laughs> well, I, I am. Know mine. <laughs> this, I think I know Josh's, but Williams, obviously, we've only talked three times, so this might be a little more challenging, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Josh, what was the process for your <clears throat> list and making your list come together? You know, the
1: super easy list that was so easy to do, it wasn't in trouble at all. <laughs> um, well, I, I thought about how I wanted to do it first. And what I didn't want to do was just like go through my board game collection. Because, um, well, I don't I don't necessarily know why I didn't want to do that. I just, I figured what I did was <clears throat> I looked up um, the top board games of each year. So 2010, 11, 12, they're all of them. But I, I used four um, sources for each year. So I made sure... That I had a like a sufficient list because not everyone's lists are are accurate about what games released in those years, but I I couldn't go through my games and pick a game that like I knew came out in a year. I would have to look up every game I picked to see what year they came out in. So I took that right. list. <clears throat> Sorry, I took that list. Um, and I wrote down by year <clears throat> the games that I like was very like fond of. Even like some games came up that. Like, couriers that I really wanted to include on my list because um, I knew not a lot of people would have that. But ultimately, um, I couldn't. Um, spoilers. So, after I took that, I probably had a list of 40 games ish that I just started cutting down by like games that I enjoyed as opposed to like games that I think people should play. Um, and then I got down to 20. And then I got down to 12. And then today I got down to 10. (laughs)
0: That's funny because I went through, I just opened up my gaming cabinet and looked at all my games and just wrote down every game that I, my initial reaction is that game's fun. I enjoy playing that game. And then I crossed off all the ones that came out prior to 2010, which wasn't all that many, but was some. And then I went back and double checked the board game geek lists for each year. And I ended up after doing all that with a list of 40 games that I said, yes, these games are fun and I enjoy playing them. And then I just started whittling my list down from there. So I got from 40 to 30 really quickly. And then 30 to 10 was actually a little more challenging, partially because I was sharing my list with my partner. And she kept saying, why do you have this game on there? Why is this even here? Why wouldn't you put this there instead of that? And then I realized very quickly that I probably shouldn't be sharing this list with her because her and I have very different tastes on games. So <laughs> um, I'm pr- I got down to 10, not too bad. I'm really secure with my first eight. Uh, my nine and my 10, I feel like could change on any given day. Yeah. On any given day, I feel like my nine and 10 could be different. I am not as staunch in my thoughts on them as apparently William is, who this was a very easy task for him. <laughs> Um, I had a lot of, I, this was challenging. I, this was way harder than I thought it was going to be. So yeah, but okay. So what we're going to do, we're going to go ahead we'll talk about our top tens and then we're going to talk about the decade a little bit as a whole afterwards. Cause I don't want to, in case we want to reference games that are in our top 10 as examples of things, I don't want to potentially spoil lists. Mm. So We are going to start covering our top 10 games of the decade. William, as our guest, you get the joy of going first. What is your number 10 game, sir? Beautiful. So first
2: off, I just want to say that you guys should just become more comfortable with being horribly wrong. That's what (laughs) I've done. This was super easy. (laughs) (laughs) So for each of these games, um, I've given it uh, a title like I would for a story. So um, it's going to be the decade's best something. Uh, For example, my my number five is the decade's best engine builder. So this is how I'm... uh, going to make sense of what the decade's top 10 games are so the decade's most joyful game that is my number 10 and this is colt express have you guys played this game
0: yes this was on my short list oh
2: beautiful so from 2014 by ludonaut games so colt express is on my list because it dives to the core of why i think board games specifically as opposed to video games Ah, uh, uh, with my friends bring me joy. And that's the cardboard and like the chaos of face to face, you know, playing against and with your friends. So on the cardboard side, uh, in cult express, You're crawling around and on top of this 3D open-sided train with stand-up figurines. And I just think that this is super fun. And the game also understands how to use cardboard. There are these like pop-up figurines you make that you put on the table. Cacti and tumbleweeds and and bones. And they serve no purpose at all, but to just bring you into the game as the, in the aesthetic. And that really, it speaks to my heart. And then on the face-to-face side, Um, as your characters are punching and shooting and moving around and thieving, you know, you're, you and your friends are messing up each other's uh, plans and you're, you're, you're causing them to like move into the wrong car and just start like throwing punches into the air at nothing. And I always laugh when I play this game because of that. It's just so joyful. So I love the cardboard and I love the joy of the face to face, uh, interaction.
0: It is great. This is a game that I actually play with my in-laws very regularly, and I do remember the first time we ever played it, setting up the cacti and the rocks and all of those things. My father-in-law was like, "Oh, do I get to like throw these at people?" <laughs> I was like, "No, they're just they're there as to set the mood to help you feel like you're really in." He's like, "Oh, well, they should have give us like real cactiers." I'm like, "Well, okay, I'll, I will give them that feedback. I appreciate it." So that's a great p- first pick, and I, I'll be honest, not one I expected you to have on your list. Again, lots of surprises, and I'm super, super prepared to be totally wrong. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Josh, what is your number 10, sir?
1: Okay, my number 10 is my first and still favorite hidden movement game that I played, uh, and that is Escape from the Aliens in Outer Space um, by Osprey Games, I believe. Uh, It's, well, yeah, it's right next to me. Um, It's a game that I actually didn't know about until Jorge Garcia from Lost was on the Dice Tower podcast as a guest. And he was talking about this game. It sounded so cool. So I went out and searched for it. And I found, like, this anniversary edition that came out. It's So you have whiteboards. Each person has whiteboards in the game. And essentially, you have humans and aliens. It's a very simple premise. But there's a bunch of different map styles. Uh, If you want to get crazy in depth, each character they have special abilities. If you want to assign roles to people, um, but it can also be played very simply by no role assignment. You're just humans and aliens, and your goal is to get to the escape pod without getting killed. And the the best part about it is not all escape pods work, and you have to draw a card to see if the escape pod fails or succeeds. You can also escape without your friends or with your friends um and if that escape pod does fail you have to get to the other end of the map to try to use the other two uh, and now the aliens know where you are so there's a lot of suspense it's just a lot of fun um and it's a game i think that everyone should at least try or play
2: Number 10. I awesome. n- I've never heard of that game. That same game sounds great. What yeah, year did awesome. it come out?
1: Uh it came out, you know what? I had all the years written and I should have just kept them on there. <laughs> so now I'm looking uh, that so this called this ultimate edition was in 2016 so, by Osprey Games.
0: I think the original came out in
1: 2010.
0: Yeah. Awesome. All right, so that's Josh's number ten: escape from the aliens in outer space. And it's interesting because once you said that name, I I was thinking to myself where have I heard that, and I totally remember that episode of the Dice Tower, and that's where I've heard of that. All right, so my number ten game is a game that is it, kind of sad because I don't think I'll ever play it again, but it was still one of my favorite experiences. <laughs> Of the decade. I hate
1: this game.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, and that's not why. Um, And this is a game that the base version of this game came out prior to 2010. But, you know, it's been around a lot. There's been many different editions and renditions done of it. Um, And my number 10 game is Pandemic Legacy Season 1. So this is a game that I'm a huge pandemic fan in general. This was the first legacy game that I ever played, and just the experience of playing that game with uh, friends and family, and the experience we had over it is something I really enjoy. Um, it is, you know, currently the number two ranked game of all time on Board Game Geek, and I think that's very interesting for this type of game because yes, you could go buy a new box and play the whole game over again, but you kind of already know the secrets, you kind of already know the reveals of everything. Uh, so the fact that you know. A game that you go through over 12 months. If you win, you move on to the next. If you lose, you stay. So you're playing the game 12 to 24 times maximum. Um, Really, you know, sat with people well. And this is a game that I just really enjoyed my experience with. Uh, I played Season 2, didn't enjoy it quite as much as Season 1. But also just because of the fan that I have become of Legacy Games, I wanted to make sure uh, that one of them got on my list. And this is my favorite of the ones I have played. Uh, So Pandemic Legacy Season 1, my number 10 pick for Games of the Decade. And this is one of the games that my wife told me was wrong, and I should have put Charterstone here. <laughs> so, there we go. Uh, William, did you play Pandemic Legacy? So, what What are we doing now if
2: one of the games that you say earlier is on our list later?
0: You are just going to talk about it later.
2: Okay. Cause this Cause one I is... don't want
0: to spoil where it is on your list or anything <laughs> like that.
2: This one is not on my list. And this okay. is one of the ones that I thought you guys would roast me for, for not having oh, it on my list. No. Uh And I do give props to it. I think this is the most famous legacy game. Do you think that that's... Yes. a okay? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. But it's not on my list because I'm not a big fan of cooperative games. So I don't have any cooperative <laughs> games that are not RPGs, actually, let me clarify, <laughs> that are on my list. So...
0: Yeah, definitely wouldn't roast it. Like I said, it's number 10 for me. And it, in some ways, it's almost more representing a genre and a movement than it is necessarily the game itself. But I do really enjoy the game. I had a lot of fun with it. It's just kind of, to me, is odd to include it since I'm never going to ever play it again, probably. So uh, that's my number 10, Pandemic Legacy Season 1. William, your number 9, sir.
2: Okay, my number 9 is the decade's best game that takes less than 10 minutes. And this, of course, is One Night Ultimate Werewolf uh, from 2014 Vizier Games. And so I think that this one is fairly self-explanatory. So you know how boxers have like pound for pound rate rankings because you can't really compare mm-hmm. them like a flyweight to a heavyweight directly. Uh, if board games came up with a minute per minute ranking of games, I think that One Night Ultimate Werewolf would have to be at the very top because you get so much in for such little time. You can have these like six or seven minute games that are filled with deduction and deception and laughing. And you're trying to figure out, you know, what happened during this eyes closed phase of the game. I love it. I don't think there's any other game that matches One Night Ultimate Werewolf for just the, the the time. There's a lot of games I really like that take 15 to 30 minutes that I think of as very short games, like uh, Coup, for example, but nothing as short as One Night Ultimate Werewolf. What about Win, Lose, or Banana? Win, Lose, or Banana? No, definitely not on my top ten. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't even know if I know what Win, Lose, or Banana is, you
1: You you get the premise by the name. You have three cards. You either win, you lose, or you have the banana. And you try to trade cards with the other two people you're playing with, and they don't know what you have.
0: It's a three-player game? Uh Uh-huh. And that's oh wow okay well hey
1: simplicity <laughs> at its finest I guess and it plays under ten yeah. minutes.
2: <laughs>
1: it'll Josh, show it'll played? show
2: up later in my rankings, don't worry. <laughs> okay, okay, good. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: Josh, have you played One Night Ultimate Werewolf?
1: <clears throat> no, it's a game I always wish I played, but just not our, gr- our group isn't into. Uh, we played so many social deduction games that they get frustrated with like the, Aval- like we play Avalon Resistance and stuff. Okay, to a certain point where. Like, when all when Ultimate Werewolf was going around, people were already mad about the other two games, so <laughs> they didn't want to have more anger.
0: <laughs> Here's the funny thing about Werewolf and just all those games for me, is that every time I've ever played these games, it's always been in groups of, like, 70 people. Ugh. Because when I was younger and I was working in housing, we would play it with, like, our student staff all the time, like, during training. So we'd play, like, huge games of werewolf, you know, right after dinner or something like that. So I've never played this with, like, a group of people who are really looking to just play One Night Ultimate Werewolf. So, yeah, I maybe should probably do that sometime. It seems like a way I should experience that game.
2: Josh, your so. friends should consider it too, your group, because I would say One Night Ultimate Werewolf is the only deduction game that I really love that's not a friendship breaker. Because it yeah. only goes for like six minutes, you like you do the thing, you lie, you get lied to, it's over, you play another game, no, no hard feelings.
1: Yeah, I played Werewords at PAX last year and I really liked it, um, but my wife wasn't into it. It's still a game I want to grab because I do think that like, the friend group would enjoy it. Um, but I don't know the the comparison between that and and how much different uh, werewolf is. So, who knows?
0: All right, Josh, your number nine, sir.
1: My number nine is uh, a game I thought would be higher on my list, uh, and it's Wingspan. Um, I expected it to be much higher, but you know, going through these lists and, um. While I definitely agree that this is a great game, I think it it could rise higher in my list in the more, like the coming years as I play it more. Um, but as a, in the past 10 years, I just don't know that it's been out long enough for it to, to surpass the other games I enjoy. Um, and And I know I'm not really saying much about the game itself, but I think as far as, um if i looked at all these other games i would probably play more of them by choice over wingspan because wingspan is a longer game um depending on who if you're trying to teach it to new people um it takes some time i don't know if you were teaching this when you did your your thing you did yesterday kyle but
0: i did that's actually um, almost all i was doing was teaching wingspan
1: so i feel like there's still uh I don't know. There's still a little bit of a learning curve compared to... I'm, I'm defending it <laughs> being so low is what I'm doing. Uh, it's a great game, and it's a gorgeous game. The mechanisms are fantastic in the game, and um, I feel like we talked about this before. There's so many options in the game that each time you play the game, it's, it's a totally different uh, game for each player. So it's still a fantastic game. So it's number nine instead of not on the list. <laughs>
0: So William, I know that this game is on your top fifty list currently.
2: I'm going to hold my thoughts until an <laughs> undefined <Okay>. later
0: date. <laughs> okay, that's uh, that's what I kind of thought might happen. Okay, number nine for me is a game that I I don't want to say I'm embarrassed to have this game on my list, but I'm kind of embarrassed to have my game on this game on my list. And the reason it's there is because without fail, everyone I've introduced this game to who is not really into board games has fallen in love with this game and this is the game that then brings them back to playing more games with us and because of that i have really positive memories with it and really positive experiences with it and i just have a great time with it and my number nine is machi koro oh Yeah, so I think obviously as a game and as a, you know, how you play a mechanism, rolling dice, you know, getting some income, building a building and moving on, it's not very complicated. And this is the game I debated longest about whether I should put it on my list or not. But with the expansions, which is the only way I play it, I really do think that this game is a ton of fun and a really great way to get and introduce people into games. To me, it's kind of my basis for a gateway game right now. And it's the thing that I introduce people to on a regular basis when it comes to gaming. So my number nine right now, Machi Koro. The, and like I said, my nine and my ten are two games that if you ask me tomorrow, I, these might be different. Um, but because of the experiences that I've had with them, uh, they are kind of where I am at currently. All right. Josh, you have played Machi Koro, correct?
1: I have. A game that I had a great time with, but I red carded my wife into not liking the game. So <laughs> uh, we almost got Machikoro Legacy like five times at Pex Unplugged. And, and, and in fact, right. she was even mentioning it. And I was like, but do you want to play this? Like, we'll get it. But do you want to play this? And she's like, Wah. so uh, it definitely was a thought. Like I could have included it. Um, but I think just because of the experience I had with her, I think that definitely changes it a little bit in my mind.
0: Right. No, I can totally understand that. And I think part of it is, too, because, yeah, my partner absolutely loves this game. Um, and we now have a group to play Machi Koro Legacy with because of introducing them to Machi Koro, which is pretty exciting. So I'm looking forward to starting that game here soon. Um, all of the stuff about the designer of that game was standing. Um, I, I am looking forward to having that ex- hopefully a fun experience with other people uh, So it seems like we've lost William Maybe do some technical difficulties So Josh we'll move on to you for your number 8 And hopefully we'll get William back in time For his number 8 So Josh what is your number 8 sir
1: My number 8 is Ticket to Ride Did that come out in 20- When year did Ticket to Ride come out I looked it up it was on the list Do I really? I have to do some research now <laughs> Ticket. Listen to the clickety clacks. Ticket to ride. Release date. <laughs> oh, and there, I hit my mic, and I can't spell. <laughs> did you did you look it up? And it wasn't. I believe. Oh my be god! I, whoa, 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 whoa! That's embarrassing. I'm glad William. Wasn't yeah, it's like here to 20, see that.
0: 2006 or 2004 <laughs> or something, yeah, right?
1: Yeah, uh, you're right. Uh, <laughs> It's funny because when I was doing my lists it came up on a couple of lists, but that's the thing with board games, right? People put them on the list for best games of the year and it's right. not from that year. <laughs>
0: right. For sure.
1: Uh, what if I did the 15th anniversary edition? <laughs> um, I mean, if you want to cheat and do that, no, you're welcome to. No, this actually is good because now I can put my scrubbed on here. Uh, my number eight is Villainous. Oh, okay. (laughs) I I didn't want to really take that off of my list, so now it's back on, because I'm a dummy. Um, And when it's not my turn, I'm going to cross-check all of my other picks. (laughs) Um,
0: So real quick then, would you still have, knowing that we're cutting tickets Ride from your list, (laughs) would Villainous still be your number eight?
1: Well, it was my number 11, so it would have bumped up.
0: So, okay, so would it be everything as basically, so Wingspan would be 8, Escape from Aliens in Outer Space would be 9, and Villainous would be 10? Um,
1: You know, I I don't know. I mean, I'm okay putting it at 8. I think I enjoy it more than Wingspan. I don't know that it's a better game than Wingspan. Okay. Um, So I'm okay with keeping it at 8. We'll just keep it at 8, uh, and it gets an asterisk, um, like all of our famous sports athletes. Um, So, <laughs> yeah, I mean we've talked about villainous plenty, right? Like it's such a great game. Um, It's, it's something that um, it has that Disney appeal, right? so you can get a lot, you can easily, I think, get families into this game if that's what you're looking for. But it's so unique the way that every character basically, like we talk about asymmetrical like uh, games and uh, this is very similar to like Everyone plays differently. And you can play this game so many times with the expansions and, and not have the same experience as well, trying to tackle this new villain's uh win condition. So the art's fantastic, the production is super high for the for what they charge. So they're they're definitely putting in a lot of work on the game as well. So um yeah, I'm just a really big fan of it, and I think it's a game that anyone can play. So villainous easy now to put into my top 10 games.
0: (laughs) It's funny because I, when I was looking at my list, uh, I almost included games like the base pandemic, ticket to ride, things like that, because you're, you're so used to playing them that you're like, Oh, clearly that must be, you know, just the way that that is taken care of or, or whatever at this point. and, (laughs) You're just so used to hearing about these games all the time as to, oh, this is the best game. Oh, this is the best game. Oh, this is the best game. And then suddenly, oh, wait, that came out a lot longer ago than I thought that it did. (laughs) So, awesome. That is a great pick, though, I think. So, go ahead. Happy that you're able to get Disney Villainous on your list. Now that we, you know, remove the game, that's... Technically cannot be there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, dear listener, uh, we have heard from William. His power went out. So, what we are going to do is we are going to continue our list, and then he hopefully will be able to rejoin us. And we'll, we'll just catch him up to wherever we're at when he is able to rejoin. So, hopefully we'll have him back on here soon. All right, Josh, my number eight list then is actually uh, one that I'm kind of happy William isn't here for because (laughs) he might make fun of me for it. And my number eight is uh, Mystic Veil. So Mystic Ah. Veil is a game that I have talked about quite extensively on this podcast. It's a game that I really enjoy and that because apparently i talked so much about it and so positively about it william tried it and he didn't really like it that much uh but yeah i really enjoyed this game i'm I'm someone who loves a good um kind of deck building game that and i like the push your luck aspect that is included in this one about flipping over the cards until you you know reach a certain amount of um, contagion or, or infection that is there. Um, so I, I just really enjoy everything that this game has to offer. I also am a big fan of the way you build your cards. And yeah, maybe some people might call it gimmicky, but the whole card crafting system to me is something that is very, very cool uh, and something that I really enjoy and I think is neat to show people and I think it gives a lot of flexibility as far as expansions and all of those things that you are can just layer things literally on top of each other um, to help players build and create cards and do all of those good things. So Mystic Veil, for me, was an easy inclusion. I just didn't know necessarily where exactly I was going to include it. And for me, it ended up at number eight. Uh, and it's, you know... Oh, I forgot to keep mentioning these. It is ranked 375 overall on Board Game Geek. So not too shabby. You know, it is interesting considering, I think... Most of or a lot of especially the top one hundred now is all games from twenty ten to now yeah um there's a there's a few definitely probably meh, maybe twenty from prior to that in the top one hundred now, but a good eighty percent of the top one hundred now is you know from twenty ten to now, and I only have maybe a handful, not even a handful of games that on my list from that, so yeah, uh, but you're a fan of mystic vale, yes,
1: I am for sure, um it is <clears throat> Uh, unique if it's your first time playing a card crafting game uh, so that's uh, always fun uh, I, I like the, the manipulation you have and how much strategy there can be if you want there to be um, and it's definitely a unique looking game as well so I'm a, I'm a fan of it for sure
0: awesome alright so that is my number eight, Mystic Veil. Vale. Josh, we're going to be on to your number seven, then. Uh, what is your number seven, sir? Uh,
1: my number seven is Pathfinder Adventure Card Game. Ooh. Ooh. Um, and I'm typing while I talk, because that's what I do. <clears throat> um, so, Pathfinder Adventure Card Game is basically a game for someone like me who, before... <clears throat> other games had come out someone who was interested in role-playing games um but the accessibility wasn't there or i was intimidated um and this is basically taking like a pathfinder which is dnd essentially um scenarios and literally throwing in um the card games uh a card game aspect so it is uh a tabletop rpg in board game form what I really like about it is, you're playing with a party. You're uh, you're building your character by adding cards to your deck. Uh, you can focus on weapons. You can focus on blessings. You can focus on allies. And you know each each scenario you play, you have to craft your character to how you want to develop this person. Mm-hmm. And you're exploring locations, and you have to use teamwork. Or do you like? There's a lot of things going on in this game that um, I'm really thrilled that they uh, revamped this this game and have released um, a better delivery method for the game and the expansions now that you can get like the core set and then you can just buy like modules to add to your core set um, as you progress. So um, I'm a big fan and I could have probably put this higher on my list. Uh, That's so how much I enjoyed it.
0: Gotcha. This actually was my number eleven. This was the game I thought about swapping out Machi Koro for oh, because nice. I, yeah, I played so much of this game. Part of the reason that it didn't get swapped out was because I haven't played it in quite some time. And obviously, I talked about how my number 10, I'm probably going to never play again. But Machi Koro is a game I still play regularly to this day. It's a game that is still in active rotation on my table. Um, and Pathfinder is just something that we we haven't gotten to. But it is an excellent game. And it is probably the hardest cut from my list. And that's why I said I'm not super secure in my 9 and 10. <laughs> and that's because of Pathfinder, the adventure card game. Nice. So, all right. So, my number 7, then, is a game that is newer. Uh, something that I was introduced to more recently and something I really only started playing a lot this year, and that was because of Josh telling me I needed to play this game. <laughs> and that is Century Golem Edition is my number seven, specifically the Golem Edition of the game. Obviously, gameplay in Century Spice Road is the same, but I think for the value and the design and everything of the Golem Edition is just so so well done. It is a nice package. Uh, really simple game to teach, and I think that's, for many of the games on my list, that's true. It's a game that's pretty easy to teach, but there's still some depth of strategy. Uh, This game right now is ranked 241 overall on Board Game Geek. It's one of my few games that the weight is under a 2.0. It's actually the only other game, that machikoro Machi Koro, that are kind of on the quote-unquote lighter side, if you would. But this is just a really nice game that I think, after introducing people... To a game like Machi Koro, this is a really nice, easy progression to say, hey, here's something that's just going to be a little more complicated, just a little more depth of strategy, a little more choice in what you want to do and how you want to approach things. And it's a game I just can't stop playing for how refined it is and elegant it is. You know, it, it's a game that I I have no qualms about suggesting to people or if people ask about it it's a game i definitely want to jump and get to the table um so i just had a lot of fun with it and you know maybe there's some recency bias with it a little bit i could see but overall it's a game that i just really enjoy playing and can never always happy to bring it back out so century golem edition uh is my number seven nice josh What is your number six,
1: sir? My number six is Everdell, which I suspect might be higher on your list uh, or not on your list at all. Who knows? Um, Who knows? Everdell is such a beautiful game that takes a lot of different popular mechanisms from other games and just really makes it thematically their own. Um, Everything about Everdell feels unique even though it isn't necessarily um even from the like the stand-up tree you don't necessarily need um but it adds this effect of uh that you're really in this like woodland environment it's it's um town building it's worker placement um there's so many things that it has going for and and like i said about wingspan There's a lot of variety, so you're not going to see the same game every time you play, so it is a little harder um, to kind of predict what you're doing. You're really just trying to make your town work the best that it can with the cards that are available, Mm -hmm. which I like that strategy idea um, because you really have to be able to improvise and think on your feet while you play that game, especially when people are drafting cards ahead of you that you may have wanted. Um, so yeah, I really, really enjoy Everdell and I cannot wait to play Pearlbrook cause we picked it up at PAX and we should be getting those two more expansions, uh, in the next few months, I think.
0: Cause did you back the two additional expansions Yes, on I did. Gotcha. And then just, did you plan on picking a Pearlbrook at PAX Unplugged so you didn't add it to your
1: After their backing? shipping mishap, I didn't, <laughs> right. I didn't get it. Um, and I didn't go back after they said they corrected it. Uh so I just okay. assumed and I was able to get the deluxe edition at packs so uh, Oh gotcha. I made it. Okay. I made out like a bandit cuz I got it cheaper <laughs> without the shipping.
0: Oh that's great. Yeah. That's absolutely great. For sure. All right. So that is Josh's number 6 Everdell. Josh, do you want to know something very interesting?
1: I always want to know something very interesting.
0: <laughs> My number 6 game of the decade is Everdell. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's awesome.
0: <laughs> Look, we're sick enough, and we didn't even try to. Yep. And we didn't share our list ahead of time. No, we did not. So, yeah, I would echo everything you said. Uh, Everdell is a game that I just – and I think that's kind of – I'm going to sound like a broken record for a lot of these games that I ha- I just want to get to the table. When I'm looking at the games that I want to play, it is one of the games that is jumps to the top of I want to play. <laughs> The artwork in it is great. The mechanisms with the city building is done really well. And like you said, there's enough variety in what's going on that you never really feel like you're doing the same thing over and over and over again. Because there's you could choose to do different things and there's new varieties of, of ways you can approach the situation you're in. I think how the board is designed with the tree and how they have laid on the expansions with being additional boards that butt up right next to the current board... Um, and add new mechanisms and ways to approach things is great. I think it's a really clever design done that way. Uh, The components are fantastic. It still has my favorite component of any game with the berries that are so good. I love those berries. Um, So, yeah, Everdell, I think, is just an absolute home run. I think also... Fortunately, for the most part now it's it's available when this game first yeah. came out after the Kickstarter. it was super hard to get if you did find it, you know prices were double triple what m s r p should have been uh and now the game is just pretty much available on Amazon and cool stuff and all of those places. You can pretty much just order it, which is great, and even at the base game, um the production values are great yeah. you know it it isn't a game that um is lacking in any way that I think at least, and Everdell's a game that. Really, I am quite smitten with Uh, it is ranked number 87 overall on Board Game Geek. Um, So for a game that came out in 2018, not too shabby. And I think it's just complex enough that it makes you feel like you have to make some tough choices, but not so complex that it scares away people who don't like, quote-unquote, heavy games. Yeah. So, over, it just hits a lot of really good spots. And my gosh, the creatures are so darn cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. So, Josh and I, in sync, on our number six games of the decade, Everdell. Josh, what is your number
1: five game? My number five, because of the Ticket to Ride fiasco, I had to double-check to make sure I got the year right. <laughs> and it <Okay>. is 2010. <laughs> Perfect. Is is Seven Wonders. A game... That I played wrong for so long, but it still is so good. Um, it is uh, deck drafting and uh, city building, uh, not city, um, wonder building. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is a game that I can can and will always go to. It's very easy to teach. It's very fun to play. And uh, there's there's such a wide variety of people you can play with um that it makes it i almost put seven wonders duel because i really enjoy that as well Mm -hmm. but i think seven wonders as a whole really fits that this list for me that um i feel comfortable teaching it to anybody i can see myself playing it in 10 years still uh it's a game that uh once you get people who play it enough it's not a long game as well Mm -hmm. you can kind of play it quickly ish um And I just love everything it does. Uh, It it still is a good-looking game. It has a great table presence. It takes up a lot of um, space. It really looks like a lot of things are going on, which there are. There's so many different paths to victory. Um, It's just a a fun, exciting um, game that's just always going to be in my top ten, I I would guess.
0: Gotcha. Did you see – there was someone – I can't remember who it was – they just posted they had played a game that they called a Seven Wonders Killer.
1: Yes. Um, I did see that. I, and
0: I can't remember if that was Gamosity <clears throat> or Ella. or It was, who it was That po-
1: Was it Ella? Yeah. And I'm trying to remember what the game was. I know. That's what I was trying to remember. Because too. she did post they were playing a game, Apex Unplugged, that was a Seven Wonders Killer. And I don't remember what it was. Oh, uh, It's
0: a Wonderful World.
1: Yes, It's a Wonderful World. That's what it was. Uh, and I did see that at PAX. I just didn't play it. So that will have to go onto the list.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting. Because as soon as I saw that, I immediately became far more interested in that game. Because uh, Seven Wonders, I don't want to spoil anything, is not on my list. But it came darn close to making my list. It, was, it would definitely be a quote-unquote honorable mention. And I think part of the reason that Seven Wonders for me didn't make the list is I think I might like Seven Wonders Duel better.
1: I like it better with two people for sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's true. That is true, and I I think for me the big thing with Seven Wonders is sometimes at the end of the game or towards the end of the game, you might get to a point where now you're just getting cards that you're, well, I guess I'm just going to cash this in for some coins because I don't know what else to do with any of these cards, and that's always the hard part with a drafting game, right? You're always or typically um, going to get to a point where it just doesn't work or pan out or you don't get the cards back that you wanted yeah. to and suddenly you're like oh gosh um but seven wonders no doubt about it great great game um something that still gets played regularly on at my house as well um my number five is going to be is a game that is different than most of the games i typically play um but it is still a game that i really enjoy and i played a lot When it came out and have played less and less of it as time goes on, but it's still a game that I have no problems going back to The thing that's funny about it, though, is that there's a newer version of this game that has essentially replaced it for many people, but I still really like the more quote-unquote basish or first iteration, and that's Terra Mystica. So Terra Mystica uh, Euro game came back out in 2012. Super heavy game. It's a a 395 on Board Game Geek, but it the way i tend to explain it to people is if you took catan and made it way more complicated <laughs> with way less player interaction you'd have terra mystica because essentially what you're doing is you are a every player in the game is a clan of some sort that all have a little bit different powers but then you are terraforming uh this planet in order to build your uh build your city essentially But you can only build on certain types of ground, henceforth the whole Terra Mystica. So if your main color of your clan is green, you can build on green, uh, and it doesn't cost you anything. But if something is blue, it costs you one Terraform to get it to green. Or if it's black, it would cost you two. Or if it's brown, it would cost you three to get it over to the color that you need it to, so you can build on it. So it's this really intricate balance of trying to terraform these spots so that you can build the things that you want to while also not giving your opposing players, you don't want to improve things to make it closer to what they can do too. And it's just this really interesting mix of having player interaction without having a ton of player interaction because it's what can I do to build this thing without also helping out the people around me. Yeah. Um, it's a very heavy game. Like I said, it's something that is not for the faint of heart. Uh, I think the play time on it says like 60 to 150 minutes. But I, I think the first time you play it, it's going to easily be the 150 minutes plus as you just learn how the game goes and the me- mechanisms behind it and all of that good stuff. So uh, for someone who isn't hugely into heavy Euros, um, it kind of surprised me how much I enjoy Terra Mystica. And it definitely isn't something I play with a regular basis anymore. I do have to kind of refresh myself every time I jump back into it to make sure I'm playing things exactly right. Uh, but it is definitely one of my favorite heavy heroes ever, um, and it you know, happened to come out this decade. So Terra Mystica is my number five.
1: Nice. Josh, that's what me. is your number four, sir? My number four <clears> – <throat> sorry, this cold is really getting me um, – <clears throat> is, well, <clears throat> my first Legacy game, and that is Risk Ooh. Legacy. Nice. Um, I you could argue and I could argue Pandemic Legacy might be a better game, but for as as far as accessibility to other people, but for me Risk Legacy is a game we bought twice. We actually started a second game of Risk Legacy. Mm-hmm. Um I had so much fun playing it. It it kind of if you don't want that cooperative aspect like William was saying like from pandemic risk legacy while there is definitely possibilities of cooperation it is a competitive legacy game and you are naming countries just like pandemic you are shaping the map you are changing like nuking continents where you can never go to again there's a lot going Mm -hmm. on in that game there are secrets There's things to open. There's things we didn't even know existed until after the game was over. Um, It was a lot of fun. This was a game that we would play three, four games in in one sitting. Uh, Sometimes they go really quickly if you know risk. Sometimes they take a long time. It just depends Mm -hmm. on our military management um, and how you handle zombies. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. but... Spoilers! Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's it's over 10 years. That's a 10-year-old game. Uh, no, it's not. It's like 5-year-old eight. game? 8. year old game? 2011, I think. <clears throat> oh, yeah. 8 years, yeah. So, versus uh, Legacy, a game I would happily play again if anyone wanted to play it. Uh, and a game I think if anyone's interested in legacy games, uh, they should seriously, like, consider cooperative versus competitive, and then you have your mm-hmm. two choices, and... I think at my number four, you could easily swap risk legacy for a pandemic legacy, depending on the play style. But for me, it's risk.
0: Do you, and I think you kind of answered the question. It seems that you feel this game still holds up well today, even with the changes and advancements in quote unquote legacy games and kind of how those games play out. Now, do you think this game still is a good legacy yeah. game? Per yeah.
1: Se? For, for the game itself, I think it does everything right. Um, I mean, could you replay it and probably uh, decide ways that they could have done things better? Probably, uh, you can do mm-hmm. that with any game, I think. Um, I don't. I don't think the developments that have changed in the legacy format would uh, make this game so much better that I wouldn't want to play the original. He's back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that timing was perfect. Actually, that was that was nicely <clears throat> done. Well, hey, William, welcome back. We're thrilled to have you rejoin us. Nope. (laughs) Oh, no. We're going to keep that all in. We're good. So here's what's been going on. Josh and I have been continuing to work our way through our lists. So what we'll do is we'll share with you all of our lists up to the point we've gotten to. And then you can share your list up to that point. And if you want to heckle any of our lists, you're welcome to do so. Okay? Okay. So uh, Josh was at (laughs) – I will skip the part that Josh got really embarrassed about.
1: I'll say it. uh, I put Ticket to Ride on my list. Because I did wrong research (laughs) and thought it came out in the past 10 years, and it certainly did not come out in the past 10 years.
0: So, anyway, so uh, (laughs) Josh's number nine was Wingspan. Eight was Disney Villainous. Seven was the Pathfinder Adventure Card Game. Six is Everdell. Five is Seven Wonders. And he just finished saying that his number four game, was Risk Legacy.
2: I don't even know where to begin with all the horrible stuff. <laughs> no, those are all great choices. Seven Wonders is really from the last decade? Yeah, it came out in 2010. Oh, 2010, yeah. It's barely made the list. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah. Those, are all, those are all great choices.
1: Thank you. Um, I do so like the my-
2: expanded universe version of uh, Last Decade, which encompasses Tickets to Ride. Great game. Yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah, he, he said take it to Riot, I was like, I'm pretty positive that was before 2010, <laughs> yeah, but...
1: Yeah, that's my bad. So,
0: but it's okay. <laughs> it, it allowed Disney Villainous to get on his list, so we're good there. Um, for me, I think we lost you when I was talking about my number nine game, which was Machi Koro, which if you want to make fun of me for, that is totally fine. I've never even heard of Machi Koro. When did that come out? Are you kidding me right now? 20, no, I'm not kidding at all. 13? Really? Yeah. Okay, so Machi Koro, super light Uh, city building game where it's just rolling dice and then you get some income and then you build a building.
1: With a large Uh, take that aspect.
0: With a pretty large (laughs) take that aspect if you want there to be. Uh, And it just recently had a legacy edition come out for it. And it's just a game that I use very regularly to introduce people to gaming. Uh, So it's a game that has spawned multiple game, regular gaming group partners for me. And as a result of that it's just been a really positive experience for me. So...
2: Yeah, here we are. Machi Koro 2012. Again, the universe of games I played before I started reviewing games in 2014 is very small. So a lot of things went through the cracks. Gotcha. Uh, is it is it worth me
1: now, eight years later buying Like, it? Get the Legacy version.
0: There is a Legacy, legacy? version that recently came out. Uh, I will say I only play it with the expansions. The base game alone is extremely simple. You literally roll a dice see if you earn any income based on what the buildings you have are, and then you can build a building. And that's all you do. Um, So you basically each card has a number at the top of it that if you roll the dice that reflects that number, it activates the building um, that you then potentially might gain income or steal income from other players. uh, And then you then after that could build one of your main buildings in town or a building from the center of the board um to kind of expand your town so i like it a lot but like i said i play it with all the expansions and that's the only way i play it, Got Cause it. it okay yeah because it is very simple um so that was my number nine my number eight which i know we have different feelings on this game is mystic Vale. <laughs> i actually told josh i'm like you know it's very so good that william isn't here for this one so my number eight is mystic Vale. uh <laughs> My number seven is No, uh, No 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 but let's not go by <laughs> it. defend it defend it Okay <laughs> I like Mystic Veil vale for a couple of reasons number one uh I think of it as a great engine building game. I know it might not be the best engine building game of the decade, but I play it when I'm playing that game, and this is how I play most deck builders. I play them from an engine building aspect. How can I best go through my deck and that, yes, somebody might try to mess mess me up, but I'm trying to build the best engine I can to get through my entire deck every time. Um, so that's really how I approach that and all deck builders. And I think Mystic Veil does that very, very well. I like the push your luck aspect of it that it evolves with the kind of the corruption that exists and trying to decide how far you're going to push things um, in order to draw your initial hand. I like the card crafting system, and I think it gives a lot of options and opportunities for expansions for the game and doing things in a different way. And it allows you to a way to improve your deck without adding cards to your deck, which is something... Because I like the the engine building aspect I love. Because I'm always trying to eliminate cards from my deck. So it's very cool to be able to improve it without adding more stuff to it. Um, so that's why, for me, Mystic Veil vale is such a fun game. Uh,
2: okay, I agree with you on a lot of points. Uh, the engine building aspect of the game is fantastic. And the card crafting, which is, I, I don't know if there was card crafting before Mystic Veil. Vale, but Mystic Veil vale is definitely the champion of card crafting. Uh, that is an absolutely phenomenal mechanic, and it's super fun. I, I just, <laughs> I mean, your opponent could die, and it could take you a while to figure out that in real life you were playing with someone. To, it's just a solitaire game.
0: Oh, yes, yeah, there is very little to no player interaction. Absolutely, I, I don't disagree there. Um, but yeah, but, but but yeah, but there's a lot of great things about the game,
2: so I think I think we can agree to disagree. We can move on.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just think the things that I prefer about games, maybe. Don't really, you know, and the things that you prefer don't necessarily present themselves in this game, and that's fine. Uh So that's my number eight. My number seven uh, is Century Golem Edition. Are you kidding me? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> okay, kidding. I'm okay. kidding. <laughs> uh, that's my number seven. Uh, my number six was uh, also ever. My number six was also Everdell, so matching up with Josh there. And then my number five is Terra Mystica. So
2: Everdell is something that I cut from my list. I really liked that game, but I decided that maybe it didn't deserve a space in the top ten. Uh Century Golem Edition. Have you so have you played the new Century and New World? I
0: have I have not.
2: I have not either. Um I think that is that is my favorite incarnation of the Century game so far. So I wonder if when you play both of them, if you would replace Century Golem Edition with Century and New
0: World. I very well may. So But yeah, so that is where I got to and I had not done my number four yet. So what I will do is I will do my number four to get us all on the same level, and then we'll just have you go through your uh, 8 to 4 if that works for you. Sounds great. Okay, so my number 4 is a super new game and actually a game that has already been mentioned one time and there might be a bit of recency bias in this uh, but I just really have loved my time with it and that's Wingspan. Uh, I really enjoy the theme of this game, the components of this game, and the fact that there is so much variability with the number of ways you can build things out. I think there might be a little bit of i don't want to say unbalanced but i think there are some strategies now having played it as much as i have that are definitely better than others but i i think there are ways that you can mitigate that or if you recognize what your opponent is doing uh ways you can kind of play around those things so i have really enjoyed my time with this game it's something that like i said i was demoing for people this weekend and it's something that's really quickly found its way to into my heart in a really positive way so uh my number four like i said wingspan for the decade I'm
2: going to continue to hold my thoughts on Wingspan until uh-huh. a undefined leader time.
0: Okay, sounds good. Uh, with that then, William, uh, like I said, the floor is kind of yours for number eight through number four. <laughs> All right, let me, let me catch us up. Uh, maybe it'll be interesting. Can I give you the
2: title of the game? So the title of what I would give, the, uh, for example, the decades. My next uh, game is the decades best to play with anyone. Can I tell you guys these titles as I go and have you guess yeah. Yeah, which that's game I'm fine. referencing? Yeah, that's fine. All right, the decade's best game to play with practically anyone. What is this? This is number
1: eight. Uh, <laughs> Monopoly. <laughs> oh, wait, I see, we are sticking the with your years.
0: expanded world of a uh, uh, decade. Ago. Mrs. Monopoly. <laughs> best game to play with practically anyone. I am going to go with. See, I was going to guess like Seven Wonders, but that obviously is not going to be it since you didn't. Mm, best game played with practically anyone. Here, I'll I'll caveat it and
2: it'll make it easier. So long as they speak English.
1: Um. Oh, um Co- code names. I was gonna say code names? <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. <laughs> okay. Code names.
2: 2015 from Tech Games this. So I often have people because I do this uh top fifty best game best new games list for popular mechanics, I have people. Ask me what games that they can bring to their families over their holidays or bring to a party or play with people that, that say they're, that they're not fans of board games. And I always tell them Code Names is the game for them. So this decade, I have not played a more inviting game. That is still really, really fun. I would also give this one best word game on my list because there's no other word games on here. Um, I love the challenge of trying to connect all these disparate words through like a single through line and how you can have like a team of five where one person just wants to talk or just watching <laughs> versus a team of three and it, it doesn't really matter at all. Uh, and so I just, it's super inviting. It's the best game to play with practice. Game. We got you back. <laughs> well, like, sorry, where did you lose me at?
1: Uh single through line.
2: Yep. <laughs> okay, so I love the challenge of trying to connect all these disparate words through a single through line and how you can have a team of five where one person really doesn't want to talk or is just watching versus like a team of three and it doesn't really matter. So you can have asymmetric team sizes, people can come in and they can leave. It's just an extremely inviting game that I will that there's no situation so long as we're with English speakers, that I don't think that uh codenames isn't the right game to bring. You Excellent. can also play with like forty people too, so.
0: That is very true. I only have code names oh. Disney, which is pretty sad, I think.
1: Oh no. <laughs> you need to get a really duet.
0: I, yeah, I know. We probably should. Yeah. I only have the Disney version, but I like it. I'm just not very good at it.
1: I do like how they release codenames XXL for people like because that is definitely a legit complaint, people not being able to see the small card. So I like that they released the extra large editions of both pictures and a duet just recently and the base game.
2: All right, guys, my number seven is the decade's best
1: two player game. Fox in the forest.
2: What is it? Uh, seven wonders duel. It is star Wars rebellion. Ah. Oh.
1: 2016
2: fantasy flight. Yes. Game. All right. Okay, guys, So let's, let's talk about two player games for a minute. Yeah. So I think that two player games can often be hard to do well because most games really rely on like the self balancing nature of multiplayer games with player interaction. So it's like, all right, Josh is winning. Hey Kyle, let's gang up on him. And you know, this stops runaway victories, which can be boring. Although not always. I mean, my favorite two player game of all time has the worst what runaway victory issue, which is chess. Like if you're ahead <laughs> you does it, you've won the game. Um but anyhow this issue is heightened with asymmetric two player games where you need to do different things with different pieces for different reasons. And you need to, you know, make sure that both players have the same chance to win all things held equal. So I'm talking balanced boys. And I think that star Wars rebellion is the most balanced two player asymmetric game of the decade, along with being the most fun two player game. Generally, I love being the rebels and hiding your base and like protecting planets. as like a decoy. I love being the empire and just laying waste to these forces. Everything about this game is the best.
0: Nice. So do you- do you even recommend playing it with any more than two players? You can't play it's it with only two, more players. two players.
1: Think? I thought you could play Rebellion with up to four. That's Imperial Assault or Armada, I think. I think it's only two players.
2: Yeah, it's definitely only two players. It's like the Empire on one side, the Rebellion's on the other side of the board. I, unless there's like a version where two people are sharing being one of the players, I, I think it's just a two player. Okay. So let me answer your question with authority. I don't recommend, recommend playing it as more than a two-player <laughs> version at all. Perfect. Okay, all right. So next one. The decade's best epic game. What is it? Number six. Ep-
1: what, what is your definition of epic, epic. game? Uh, like Twilight Imperium? <laughs> uh, fourth Bloom- edition?
2: <laughs> yeah, you got it. Twilight Imperium, fourth edition. So 2007, seventeen, sorry, Fantasy Flight Games. So if I can make a literary comparison to define epic for you, um, you know, sometimes you want to read like a magazine article or like a book of short stories and get something light. But sometimes you want to pick up like a Dostoevsky novel or Moby Dick and not in spite of the heft, but because of it. You want to be on this epic journey. And that is Twilight Imperium 4th edition for me. So I actually last played it three weeks ago when I was back in the United States in my hometown for the Thanksgiving holidays. Uh, and I had one night back with all of my friends where the stars aligned and we were able to basically get all of my closest friends, like my board game friends from high school together. And we played this seven hour game and it was the only game that, that really fit the moment. You know, this epic game of galactic conquest where you, you don't just have armadas of starships that are fighting each other, but politics and trade and background deals. And it really, it really feels as epic as it is. It's the fourth edition of the game, which is streamlined from the third edition from earlier than this decade. But the streamlining in no way diminishes its scope. How do you guys feel about Twilight Imperium fourth edition?
0: This is the game that I've always wanted to play that I never have. Because my game group, I even have people who I played games with regularly that own it. Uh, every time we get together for a game day, even if it was an eight or nine or ten hour game day, the idea of only playing one game was something they all balked at all of the time. That the idea of just playing one game was not something we wanted to do. So I have yet to ever play Twilight Imperium in any of the forms, and that is one of the things that is very disappointing to me.
2: Yeah, Sam. I've not everyone read. wants to pick up the Dostoevsky novel. <laughs> That's
0: true. That's true. Uh how do you compare this to have you played like Zaya Legends of a Drift System?
2: No, I've never played that. Okay.
0: Because I'm always, I I want to get a game of this caliber or of this scope, and that's the two I always debate between is Ti4 or Zaya, and I just can't decide which direction I should go.
2: I just I feel like Ti4 has such like a storied place in board game history mm-hmm. that it's got. I mean, it, you got a board game
0: podcast, you got to play <laughs> Twilight Imperium Fourth Edition one time. That's Okay, the game for sure. okay, that's okay. That's fair. That's fair.
1: Yes, for clarification, Rebellion is two to four players. I did look it up, Really? yeah i don't i, I don't know how um <laughs> but i i'm looking I'm literally pulling up the rules p d f to see wh- how it's for a player, um but
2: <laughs> I bet you just i bet you're just sharing being the empire, sharing being the rebels with like some like maybe one person's in charge of
0: the heroes or something like that,
1: yeah, but once again, Kyle is right as usual. I- <laughs>
0: Except I've never played TI4, so I'm only kind of
1: right. I'm shaming Kyle for being right. That's
0: fine. That's fine.
2: <laughs> All right, guys. Number five for me is the decade's best engine builder.
1: Oh. <laughs> Kyle, I'm going to let you guess first.
0: Well, I, he's, he's got this look on his face.
1: But and I don't know if know he's going to
0: say... I know. That's, and I'm, so this is making me wonder if this is Wingspan
2: this is indeed wingspan
0: yes it's my one game
2: from 2019 so i think that engine building is my favorite It's one of my favorite mechanisms in games Mm -hmm. um and i'm not gonna say that I'm, i'm gonna say that it's it's better than any other engine building game this decade uh and this includes terraforming Mars, I gotta say it. Uh, Wingspan, I think, just does it the best. What's maybe the most impressive is the fact that all, you know, all these game cards, there's hundreds of them, they all have different powers, and maybe not hundreds, maybe like between 100 and 200. Uh, there's different powers and abilities with all of these cards that have birds on them. Uh, but the game is still so beautifully balanced despite this, like, you know, plethora of different types of birds, types of abilities. Uh I, and I recently played this game with my mother who is by no means a board gamer and even she loved it. So I think it's advanced, it's complex, yet it's also really accessible and I think it just does
0: engine building the best. And we both clearly agree because it was on both of our lists. Awesome. Yeah. All right. And then your number 4 sir. All right, my number 4. Uh I bet you guys can get
2: this one. The best the decade's best deduction and lying game. Uh
0: oh man, uh, are you going with Secret Hitler? I am indeed going with Secret Hitler. <laughs> 2016
2: from... Apparently the, the game company that produces this is called Goat, Wolf, and Cabbage. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I like I like these uncomfortably aggressive games. I really do. And my all-time favorite mechanic is Deduction and lying. And I've said it before on your guys' podcast, but no game inside or outside of this decade does that mechanic better than Secret Hitler. Besides chess, it's the board game that I've also played the most ever and I think it's uh it's like Avalon to the resistance which you guys have brought up earlier but perfected. Yeah. the reason that I think it's so great and better than those two is because if you play it well, there's just enough information out there for both sides to conceivably win. You know, from like the voting patterns to the slight lies. And I always finish this game with everyone who's played it, just like breaking down into conversation about what just happened in the game, and you know the feeling we had when Josh lied, or or what happened when Kyle got caught, and you know that conversation after I feel like is illustrative of just how great this game.
1: For the listener, Uh, I I guess Secret Hitler, but my mic was muted because someone's (laughs) drilling a hole in the wall below me.
0: And I will say this was my guess for what was going to be your number one game. Oh. <laughs> so that's where I it's, it's not too bad, I don't think. I don't think that was a horrible guess since it's at number four. That was my guess for your number one. So
2: uh have you have you has uh, uh Josh given you his number one game yet? No, because he said what you guessed it would be yet?
0: No, he has not. He's not okay. said what I guess it
1: would Kyle be. Kyle knows what it is, though.
0: I'm pretty positive <laughs> I know what his number one is, but I don't want to spoil his thunder. So All right, so with that, then we'll continue on with our list, and we'll just go, Josh, why don't you share your number three game?
1: Uh, My number three, um, before this year, would have been my number one, um, or before last year, I should say, and that's um, Betrayal at House on the Hill. Um, Betrayal is a game that, just like I said about Seven Wonders, this is a game that I feel like I could still be playing it in 10 years, and it's very easy to uh, teach people, but it also gets people into a board game. It's more than just moving pieces around while it is that there's so much of exploration to the game, and then the I mean the trainer aspect is used really well in a lot of games in fact, Dead of winter was so close to being on my list um because it adds like suspense to a game that people can easily easily like um tone out of, especially with like phones and stuff being around. You really need to pay attention. And literally the rules tell the traitor to leave the room in this game. So you're now changing the way this game started. And you have, when you play, you have to decide, do I want to move as a group? Because what if one of the people that's with me becomes the traitor? Or do I want to separate and go against every like horror trope that has ever existed? Uh, so there's so many different things that can happen while you play this game. And I haven't even... Played Betrayal Legacy, which is I have. Uh, I just need to find the, the time to play it. Um, and I have Windows Walk the expansion, so the game does expand already. And there's so many options for this game, um, and it's nice to see a game for me this old still be in my top three games. So Betrayal. So is cool. this
2: in your top three? The base game or the Legacy edition? The base
1: game. I haven't even played the Legacy edition yet. So uh, that could surpass that to maybe Maybe I don't I don't know. My worry about legacy games is um, the replayability aspect of it. And if I played Betrayal Legacy to completion, would I want to pick it back up again? I know I can play the base version, you know, any day without worrying about that.
0: Awesome. Uh, My number three is a game that. Uh, very, very simple to teach people and has one of my favorite mechanisms that I don't think we see often enough in games, and that's a Mancala mechanism, uh, and that is Five Tribes. I'm a huge fan of this game, especially with the variable board that exists and that you kind of are modularly setting up the board each time. Very straightforward to teach people, hey, you pick up these meeples, you move them around, whatever the same color is at the end. That's what your action is for that turn. Um, And now it's just devising the strategy. And I think this game suffers a little bit that if you have people who get analysis paralysis it can be this game can take far longer than it should because you can't plan that much on your turn because the board is constantly changing what is happening what color multiples are available on what color spots and that is always adjusting and changing so it can be difficult to plan too far ahead or really plan out your turn because oh the next person might mess it up completely but overall just from the strategy perspective from a depth of strategy and how It is very well balanced. There's multiple routes to victory, and if you are kind of tuned into one route you're always trying to do, that someone can counter you with a different one or is very easy to flex in the middle and change to something different if a path to victory gets cut off from you. It's not like you're just completely out of the game at that point. So Five Tribes a game I I regularly go back to. I love introducing people to if they're looking for something that's a little heavier, a little meatier. Uh, There were some issues with the initial printing. They had some probably... Uh, maybe win some directions with some of the cards and things of names of things they probably should have thought differently about, um, but that has been resolved in, in future printings of the game. But uh, overall, Five Tribes, still a game I go back to and really, really enjoy.
2: Nice. It's a great game. I mean, I'm thinking back to the last time I played it. I think I played it with a full player count, which is four or five?
0: Four. I but think the it's analysis. Five.
2: Five? Yeah, the analysis yeah. Pers- uh the, the analysis paralysis issue, it's like very real and very pronounced in that yeah. game. Especially toward the end you can be waiting a very long time until you basically get to think about what your next movie will be.
0: For sure. And that is definitely a big drawback to it. And I think it's five with the expansion, let me clarify. I think the base game is four. But yeah, I, I really still enjoy it. But yes, that AP can significantly happen in the game for sure.
2: All right, my number three is the decade's best area control game, which is a Game of Thrones, the board game, second edition. And that came out in 2011 with Fantasy Flight Games, which I think is their third and last game that I have on my, uh, on my list. Um, so I've been actually reading a fair amount about the history of board games recently. I did this column for Popular Mechanics and the History of Magic in Dungeons and & Dragons. And I've come to really appreciate how many mechanics are borrowed from war games that have been around since, like, the Prussian era specifically this mechanic of area control and I think that if there are a couple of like classic mechanics for board games this one you know as we saw in risk or, or diplomacy the game it has to be like one of these like classic mechanics of all time for board games and I think that the Game of Thrones the board game second edition does the best for this decade hands down there's this like mix of like fighting alliances foresight planning pleading begging dying I played it twice this year it's almost nine years old I'm gonna play it next year I'm sure I love this game.
0: This is a game a very good friend got, and with the intention of us playing together, and we still have, haven't gotten together to play it yet. And I'm very sad because I very much want to play it.
1: We used to play it a lot back in the day. This is the game, the first game I ever accidentally back backwards folded the board and snapped oh. it right in half. Our third game in. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah Ouch. It, was, okay. it was very upsetting
0: <laughs> all right uh, Josh your number two game sir well
1: if you know me you know my number two and number one so let's just get it out my number two is Century Golem Edition Um, not not saying this is the best game in the ten years the second best game but for me um, it's it brings me such a joy to play this game um, for so many reasons. The, uh, replayability for me is still very high. It's so easy to teach and, and everyone who I've taught it to, they picked up on it right away. And for someone who teaches board games, that is so satisfying that that's enough to be up on this list. Like <laughs> for me, uh, but speaking of playing games with, um, parents, like I taught this game to my mother and she loved it. In fact, she asks to play it. And that never, ever happens. Uh, ever. So that's awesome. Um, I taught it to uh, when I was at Extra Life and Kevin and I were up for 30-plus hours. We played Century Golem Edition before we went to bed. We were already up for 30-plus hours. And it was still easy to teach and fun to play. The production quality is fantastic. I had it as like Century Spice Road originally, but I really feel like that, that Golem Edition... You know, levels that game up, and I really look forward to playing New World because you're not the first person I've heard say it's the best of the three games. So I can't wait to do that as well. But for right now, Century Go- Century Golem Edition is an easy number two for me.
0: Awesome. All right, so my number two is a game that you might expect me to pick a different game from this designer, but this game still holds a really soft spot in my heart, and it was one of the games that I have played the most, especially early when I really got into designer board games, um, and I think the expansions for it are great as well, and that is Mice and Mystics. Uh, released back in 2012 and I think maybe people would expect me to pick Stuff Fables from Jerry Hawthorne Uh, but Mice and Mystics is a game that I, I just absolutely adore I think they're yes going back now if you try to teach it there probably are some fiddly things there's a couple kind of one-off rules and things that occasionally happen in the game that can be difficult and challenging to remember but I think he did a great job of of creating a world and a story that was Interesting and fun and cool to go through, and it's a really nice game to kind of play as an adventure with the same people over and over again. It's not a legacy game by any means, but it definitely is a game that kind of feels like that because you, if you play it with the same group, going from chapter to chapter through the storybook with the characters, you know, it is a very cool experience. Now, there are things that are interesting, because you're like, oh, if we're progressing through this, why don't I still have the stuff that I got in the previous thing? Yes, there are things that don't necessarily hold together well, but Mice and Mystics was really one of the games that I couldn't stop thinking about when I first really got into board games a ton, and still a game I like going back to today, and I think the expansions for it are great as well. So that's my number two, Mice and Mystics.
2: You guys are surprising the heck out of me with your picks. Mice <laughs> and Mystics, that's a great game. I, I wouldn't put it on my list just because it's a cooperative game, I'm not a big fan of cooperative games, but... Man, I, I was I was expecting a expecting
1: totally different thing. Good.
0: Well, I'm glad we're keeping you on your <laughs> toes. <Surprise. laughs> what is your number two, sir? Well, I feel like now I'm just going the main route. So
1: mine
2: is the decade's best RPG outside of D.
1: Uh <laughs> like tabletop RPG?
2: Uh no, board game. This should definitely be a board game. You find it on board game. Oh, Gloomhaven? Definitely gotta go with Gloomhaven. Yeah. 2017 yeah. Sepulcher Games. So, I, it's like, you know, I played, like, 40-plus hours of game music. I love the card combat mechanic. And I have to say that, like, a lot of, like, non-pen and paper RPGs, so games that aren't Dungeons & Dragons or some other set like that, can kind of drag at points, often because the storytelling takes up a bit too much of the game and is quite rigid. And I, I just fundamentally believe that no auto-generated storyteller, either through like cards or a choose-your-own-adventure booklet, like you might see this year on Tainted Grail, comes as close to like a human game master or dungeon master, has this flexibility to tailor a game to, to the players to make it alive. And like Gloomhaven entirely skips this issue because there's a story in the game and the story is, I, I think the story is written a little bit funky, it's its good, but the game is about fighting. And it's about leveling up through fighting with a story that is just on the side, it's like a side dish. Um, and these the, the mechanics of the miniature fighting, the way that you gain new cards, the way that you modify the cards as the game progresses, the way you uncover new battles and new characters, I, I just think this game is perfect. I will be very surprised if this isn't someone else's number one game.
0: I can guarantee you, you'll hear it on someone else's list very soon that is not mine. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. so with that, Josh, why don't we get the spoilers out of the way? Your number one game of the decade, sir.
1: Alright, my number one game, I actually have it right next to me, I can show it to you. It is Dice Fishing, Roll and Catch by Homo Sapien Labs.
0: You're such a liar.
1: (laughs) What? You roll dice to catch fish. How awesome is that? It's Gloomhaven, of course. Come on. Yes. Um Gloomhaven continues to surprise me, which is awesome. Uh we you know, we play monthly because we have kids and life is tough sometimes. Um but last night we played a new scenario where I'm getting closer to retiring my character. Um surprises were popping up in one of the scenarios we did where we're putting down these, like, counters to remind us that, like, once we open this door, something's going to pop up behind us, and you don't know what it is. Now, the, 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 there is an issue with Haven that apparently they're going to fix with Frosthaven, but you, you still do lose a little bit of the surprise because one of your party members has to read what is going to happen. So you do have a little bit of that um, going on, but we do the, we do it so we don't, two of us out of the three don't know what's going on. And we make sure the person who does know is not intentionally asking us to do things because it is still very much a game where you're sitting at a table with other players, but you really can't tell people what you're doing. Um, You can do like the old hints, like I'm going to move fast this turn or, you know, I'm going to do this and that but being very vague. And we try to keep that, true to the game. There's a lot of house rules that you can implement into Gloomhaven to make this a better fit for whatever group you're playing with. Um, and it kills, like, we have so many people in our Discord that want to play Gloomhaven, and it's still so unobtainable price-wise for people who want to play casually, so I'm really looking forward to the Heart of the Lion to come, coming out in September where people can get it for 50 bucks and, and play that starter 50 scenarios which is still a lot of scenarios um so this is a game that i think everyone should play even if you don't think you're a a role play gamer role playing like a tabletop role playing gamer um it is definitely overwhelming if you look at the big box but when this new one comes out even if you have friends that have a group just jump in try it try it because Everything that William said about it, plus so much more. There's there's so much going on for this game, and and the ability to explore wherever you want, whenever you want. Like we have so many ways to travel when we start our game. We can go do one of seven side quests. We can stay on the main one. We can decide to to help or hurt certain groups of people. Like there's a lot, a lot going on in that game, Um, and I think it makes it very accessible for most people to play as long as you have someone who's um strong on uh, reading and implementing rules uh, but yeah Gloomhaven will be my number one for a while I think maybe until 2021 when Frosthaven comes out
0: <laughs> awesome
2: I, I, it's such a good game yeah. i i like that because the game is so combat focused and somehow some, it like almost like steps back and lets you role play to as like as much or as little as you want yeah Uh, When I was playing, I had a Scoundrel character whose name was Phyllis the Cat Lady and like we were just like joking around the whole time and we had, you know, it gives you different choices, uh, you know, when you're traveling to these uh, different locations on the map to like make ethical choices as you play and I feel like it let us do all the role playing for ourselves instead of trying to like force it on us and there
1: was something really beautiful about that. Yeah, for sure.
0: All right, well, my number one game of the decade is a game that I have talked about a number of times on this podcast, but I don't know that I've ever fully reviewed or anything like that. My guess is Josh probably knows what it is. Um, And I was really surprised to realize that, I didn't even think about this until just now, uh, my top two games of the decade are from the same publisher. Yeah. And my number one game is Dead of Winter. Yeah. Uh, This is a game that I... I can never stop talking about, it. and I love the th- the theme of this game, how it's implemented through the, me- the mechanics of the game. This is a game that I am constantly wanting to get back to the table and play again and again and again. I love the crossroads comp- component of the game. I think that mechanic is super interesting. I love the hidden trader aspect that that sometimes you have one and sometimes you might not, unless you play to always have one, which is kind of a fun way to play. But I just really like how this game is all put together. I think it was Jonathan Gilmore's first design and just seeing where he has gone from there um, is, is pretty impressive. So Dead of Winter, just one of those games that has always sat well in my heart and is is always at the tip of my tongue when people are like, what are your favorite games you've ever played? This is always the first one that comes to mind for me. Um Maybe it's because there's a dog in it who can carry a knife. I don't know. Sparky's pretty great. Uh, I think that's pretty amazing. But Dead of Winter, definitely my top game of the decade um, and a game that will always live very, very close in my heart. Uh, So there we go. That's my number one. William, thoughts on that as my number one game of the decade?
2: Kyle, I disagree with you quite a lot but That's I think fine. That, that is an, an excellent choice. I think the hidden traitor uh, mechanic is the, maybe the best in Dead of Winter like any game that I've played where you're all supposed to be working together until I would say even more so than uh, uh, House on the Hill, or sorry, the, House on the, Hill, the Legacy game that we were talking about earlier. Trail, Yeah. It's just great. It's a great game. So,
1: Yes, I love Dead of Winter. I almost put it on my list um, just because... Uh, we have such a great time playing it. It's also pretty fun just to say someone's a traitor right away and see how that <laughs> game mechanic plays out. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think Kyle's played it a lot more than I have. Um, if I would played it more, I could see this probably cracking that top ten. I just haven't played it enough. Awesome.
0: All right, well, that leaves it to you, Sir William. What is your number one game of the decade? So
1: my number one game is the best
2: auction-slash-bidding game. Of the decade,
0: which is of course London Markets from 2016
2: by Queen Game. So London Markets puts players in a. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I'm so I was like, so confused. <laughs> no, I picked. I just picked some random game that's uh, uh, apparently they're, they're listing it as over number uh, 10,000. Okay, no. So my actual number one game. Uh, so I babbled about this game before on your podcast, but I think it's the decade's best game, which is Nemesis last year, 2018 by Awakening Holmes. Um i said it I loved it on your podcast, but after playing it even more this year since we last spoke, I have to say it's even better than I made it look The game is just so tense and riveting and cinematic and so difficult. You take control of a single character on a starship where like something terrible is aboard a la Ridley Scott's aliens. Um and each turn you got all these different hard choices about who to trust where to move, and you're just trying to survive and fulfill your own secret objective along with surviving with the rest of the people that are playing. And so I said that I don't really like cooperative games and there weren't any on my list, which is mostly true, but not entirely, because this game is cooperative in the sense that you need a 100%, like you need your teammates to, to help you fight, to help you flee, to help you hide from this like astral terror in the game. But there is always this mistrust that lies between everyone, because you're not ever sure what other people's secret objectives are. And I think maybe like a third of the secret objectives are to kill another specific player. So you're really horribly suspicious this whole game. You're trying to work together, but you don't know if, if Kyle is in the same room with me. So we're not creating too much noise or if really he's just looking for his chance to just chuck me out in airlock. Um, and... I just built into this theme of terror that just permeates the entire game. So this is my number one game of the decade uh, because it's the number one game I've wanted to play all year. Whenever I got a chance to play a nice like three-hour-long board game that takes an hour and a half to, do, to, to learn the rules, this is the one that I went
0: for. Very, very cool. So one thing I want to ask you both now that we have gone through our top 10 games of the decade, and I'm just doing a brief scroll through here through the top 100 games currently on Board Game Geek, and it looks like I'm up to number 50 right now, and only four of the games came out prior to 2010 at that point. Uh, Do we think games are just that much better in the last 10 years than they were the previous 10 years. Because when you look at rankings and everything else and people talking about the best games, it seems like you know pre-2000 is basically gone at this point. There's a few games that hang out there. But even pre-2010, a lot of those games are starting to kind of diminish in popularity. Is it a, is it a recency thing or are games just that much better?
2: I, I think there's a type of survivorship bias that we're seeing, which is that there is just so many new games. I wonder if we just compare the sheer amount of new games that came out from 2010 to 2019 versus the decade prior versus the decade prior. And just the chances are you're going to get a lot of gems in the rough with just that, that, that large amount of number. I just think that what we're seeing is that there's so many good games now because there's so many games and so many people that are looking at designing games. And instead of doing it as like a pastime, see it as like a viable job.
1: Josh, any thoughts? Uh, I agree with that. Uh, I think, I don't know, I think games do more now. Uh, that's another big thing is that people are, are f- feel the ability to be more creative maybe or to take risks because there's so much of a volume of games coming out. You're seeing games that would never have been released because, you know, whatever the case, whatever company is putting out games, they don't want to 10, 15 years ago. Maybe they don't want to put so much money into their board game market or they don't see it as – it's definitely not the market it is now, just sheer volume, like a dollar amount. It's insane how much money is spent on board games um, from us, consumer, to manufacturing, to to publishing. Like, There's so many different – there's so much more – Ugh, eyes on it I guess I would compare it to like maybe what happened with the comic book boom um, well it's really like the the um, spike because it, it, comic books went up and down in, in our generation we've seen it right. at its highest and its lowest so um, I just think it's, it, it can be similar to that as well
0: awesome so before we wrap things up any honorable mentions you want to shout out I know William you said you cut your list at 10 pretty easy what were those last two games that you got rid of
2: well, I, so the honorable mentions that I want to mention are stuff that we didn't bring up at all. So no okay. one picked Terraforming Mars, right?
1: right? Correct.
0: And no one picked Scythe. Uh, pick Scythe? Scythe is, yeah, Scythe would have been like number 12 for me. Yeah, we skipped both of
2: those games entirely. So I thought that you guys were going to have one of those games pretty high up on your list. And I, I, even, I, like, I like thought about why I wasn't going to include them. Why didn't you guys include those? Those are like... Uh, at least, if you look on board games, those are toward the
0: top. Yeah, for me and I and I shared this with Josh. My eleven and my twelve, uh, Pathfinder the Adventure Card Game was my eleven, and Scythe was my twelve. And either one of those or both of those easily could have cycled in for my nine and ten. Uh, for me, it just was a, the experience of thinking about you know, Terraforming Mars, I have, I've played, I don't think I like it as much as most other people do. I definitely prefer other heavier Euros. Like I would have put Great Western Trail on before I would have put Terraforming Mars on personally, um, which was on my short list as well of a game I would have included. I just, I don't know that I'm as enamored with Terraforming as others. Uh, Scythe, I really do like. It's a game I like a lot. I think the problem I have with it is that it for better, or for worse, it sells itself, or when you look at it, it seems like it's gonna be this awesome combat game, and that's not really what it is, no. you know, and I think just because of that that it's a good game, it's a very good game. I like playing it, but when I explain it to people, everyone's like, "Hey, so I'm gonna fight with these mechs. and I'm like, probably not really. That's actually probably not gonna happen like at all um and I and for me, I don't know that just always is like a little hang up for me is it doesn't really present itself as what the game actually is. It's a very good game just doesn't present itself really as to what it's going to be
2: yeah it gives you it's like giving someone a gun and be like don't shoot it and also you don't have any bullets (laughs) the game (laughs) the game does everything it can to make it make sure that you're not like directly in combat with your opponents and then it punishes you for that yeah i guess that's that's probably one reason why i didn't put it on my list which is there are these like other games similar to it these like mid to heavy euro games on the market now and I think that I would probably rather play a new one and like mm-hmm. discover it than like replay
0: Scythe. Yeah, Josh, terraform you- oh, yeah, yeah. oh, go
1: ahead. I, go ahead. I own sorry, sorry. both Terraforming Mars and uh, Scythe. I've only played Scythe digitally, so I don't, and I haven't played Terraforming Mars. Um, so I just I could, from everything I've heard, I could totally see them being on the list. Um, I just haven't, you know, had the opportunity to play them yet, and. I think was something we just talked about, like the amount of new games coming out is really stifling my ability to get those to the table because they're old, <laughs> you know, like that's that whole mindset. Not that I don't want to play them because I, I just bought Terraforming Mars last year. Like I definitely want to play it. Um, I just haven't. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I guess for me, Terraforming Mars and Wingspan kind of like inhabit the same, like where well, they would have been in the same spot on my list. And I just feel like I would rather play Wingspan than Terraforming Mars. He's like card focused, chaining together cards and like cleverly laid actions to like to get to some point. That's kind of the heart of both games, even though obviously they're radically different in theme and and when you sit down to play them. But uh, I would just rather play Wingspan.
0: Absolutely. Josh, did you have any other honorable mentions you want to throw uh, out there?
1: You know, I really wanted to put Sagrada and Azul and Fox in the Forest on this list. Um, and even Harry Potter or Hogwarts Battle. Like, there's Ascension. i have going to put 15 Ascension expansions or, like, things like that. Um, like, I definitely missed a deck builder, like, in my top games. Uh, I mentioned Quarriors. Like, Quarriors is a game that I look up on so fondly that no one knows about. And basically gave birth to dice masters, and it's just another one of those fun um deck building dice rolling battle games like um, a game that I would still happily play uh but I think doing this list like there's a lot of games I could have put on the list, and I think that's you know that's the point like we just need to 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 get these games ranked appropriately because there's so many pandemic legacy uh there's a lot so yeah
0: yeah yeah the only other game that i would want to throw out that i didn't put on the list and i almost did other than i i kind of just mentioned great western trail would be uh trois which if you look at it it looks like it's troyes it's t-r-o-y-e-s uh so i'm a uh sebastian du jardin's i think it was his first game that he ever did I just haven't played it in so long, but that is a game that uh, got heavy rotation the first half of the decade. Until about 2015 or 2016, when it came to Euros, it was that and Terra Mystica that we were kind of going between. So I didn't want to include both of them on the list. Um, But Twa is a game, I think, that is not talked about as well. And, you know, he went on, Sebastian went on to do... Deus and Selenia and Black Angel just recently has really done some awesome games. So that is a game that uh, I think doesn't get quite sure. the love that maybe it should, but that would be my only other kind of honorable mention, if you would. So, all right. Well, with yeah, that, and I'm going to have,
2: sorry, I'm going to have to agree with Josh about Azul. That was the other game that was on my list that I decided to cut because I had code names and I had other kind of simple games. that I sure. use.
0: No, that is awesome. Uh, so we're going to go ahead. We're going to start kind of working towards wrapping up. Josh, we did get a few listener-submitted we suggestions. Uh, do you want to take us through what uh, some of the listeners sure said for so their so,
1: favorite uh, So Shplag at Belicious on Twitter says, um, I've only really been gaming this decade. Most of my faves are the bigger names that get plenty of coverage, but a few lesser popular games I love are Meeple Circus, Patchwork, and Manhattan Project Energy Empire. Um, I was very fond of Meeple Circus, um, and I played. I have Patrick, the board game, but I've definitely played the app a hundred thousand times. Um, so I can agree with those. I haven't tried Manhattan Project yet.
0: Paul, William, do you have any thoughts on any of those games? I think those are great games, but I wouldn't put them on my. I wouldn't put them on
2: the
1: top ten. Maybe
2: the closest I would get would be uh, Manhattan, but even there, that uh, I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> cool. Cool, cool, cool. All right, Paul Calico at P Calico eighty four. Fireball Island is my number one. Magic Maze is number two. Mario Monopoly and Mario Kart Monopoly three and four. If dice count, I loves me some dice. Uh, how do y'all refer to dice? Uh, as dice or five or ten thousand or what? We say dice, then decide if we play to five or ten but some call it five or 10,000. I don't know if you guys know what the heck that means, (laughs) but I have no clue what that means.
0: (laughs) It was, it was relatively cryptic Kyle. (laughs) No, but I'm going to see if I can search. You've
1: stumped us. Um, I'm happy. I think we sent Paul magic maze. So I'm happy to see that that made his number two. Um, uh fireball island i loved it uh it's still a great game i don't know that it would have cracked my top 10 um but it was fun it was fun nostalgia
0: okay so here's what dice is uh it's the name of a family dice game very similar to farkle it also goes by other names including zilch zilchers foo boxcart bogus and crap okay
1: that's interesting
0: so, yeah. It's the thing. There's a Wikipedia page for it. It's called, the Wikipedia page is under Dice 10,000. Ah. That's, is
2: that from the last decade,
1: though? Aha. Uh-huh. Paul, <laughs> Dice came out thousands of years ago. <laughs> years <come>. ago. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice try, try listener. Um, I don't know about Monopoly, Paul. I, I'm going to call you out on Monopoly as your top three or three or four games of the decade. <laughs> Uh Mario Monopoly Mario I've heard hey Mario Kart Monopoly, that rulebook inspired the wingspin rule book, so that's pretty cool. Uh other than that That's true. I mean you do you. Enjoy your Monopoly games. <laughs> Who that's are we right. to judge? Uh Haley Zor via Discord says, Not a board game per se, but I love cards against humanity, if that counts. That counts. It's a card game, right? I know it's People yep. don't, yeah, it's okay. some people it don't totally love it. Counts. I definitely uh had it had its time in the sun with our group for sure. Um Hey, but hey, they went on to make Secret Hitler, so they're developing as a game company. <laughs> and that's all our listener feedback, Kyle. I-
0: Awesome. Well, hey everyone, thanks so much for that feedback. Well, we are clearly the gaming podcast. We do want to give one shout out recommendation or thing that we're currently into that is helping us live a well-rounded life. William as our guest, you have the option. You can go first with your recommendation, or you can have us go first so you can think of one if you haven't yet.
2: No, I'm gonna go first. So I think my recommendation would be, you know, most of your listeners, I'm sure, just like we all have uh, shelves of board games, including some of the board games that are good, but we don't play that often. And certainly some board games that if you fast forward through the rest of your life, you're never going to play that board game again. I think that especially during this Christmas season time, uh, we should take some of our board games and give them away. Often when I uh, review board games with my friends, I give them an option if they'd like to take it home. Obviously, I'm getting these board games without paying for them, so it's easier for me, but uh, I think you can just spread the love of board games around by doing something simple, which is give some more.
0: That is an uh, excellent recommendation. Josh, what is your uh, parting gift slash well-rounded well, life? Well, it's way more
1: selfish than that. It's just watching a TV show. <laughs> uh, I'm actually re-suggesting. I think I suggested this before for Well-Rounded Life, but... I want to tell people they should be watching The Watchmen on HBO, because if they're not watching it, they're really missing out on, um, something special, I think. Um, there's a very powerful message in this show that you don't see too much, uh, nowadays. There's a lot of social commentary, um, in this comic book TV show, so to speak, um, uh, it just it really just continues to impress me uh, uh, the boundaries they're pushing and and I've always been a big Damon Lindelof fan uh, so it's nice to see you know him pushing the the boundaries more and more and um, this isn't for everyone for sure it definitely is violent um, it's not as comic booky I think as people might think but there's a lot going on. Um, with character development and backstory and it just looks great. Uh, But there's, there's a special message in there uh, to get out of it. So I'd say uh, if you haven't watched it yet, give it a shot. Uh, Watchmen on HBO.
0: Does it have a baby Yoda in it?
1: No. Well, I don't know. I I haven't seen the end yet. So maybe, maybe baby Yoda shows up at the end.
0: Okay. Awesome. All right. So my recommendation Uh, is going to be, Oh, go ahead, William. No, no. I was going to say I wanted to
2: ask you a question, Josh. So I actually reread the Watchmen yeah. comics this summer. Uh, Josh, how did you feel about the film?
1: Um, I didn't hate the film. I think the problem, um, just like any other um, IP, they turn into a film, it's it 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 stays true to the comic on the thinnest of lines, and it's hard to adapt Watchmen as the graphic novel. It, I can like a TV show nowadays is a better format to tackle the graphic novel. Um there's a lot of issues with the movie. But if you sit down and turn your brain off, I think it's a great like action adventure superhero movie, but it's not like it's not great compared to the graphic novel. Uh and and, and we okay. we, all uh, right. we all know what Alan Moore thinks of the TV show now too. So uh there's definitely some some differences between this TV series and the and the original as well.
0: All right. Uh my recommendation is just a movie that has been getting a pretty positive uh buzz out there, but I also really enjoyed it, and that is Knives Out, the new picture from ryan johnson i know some folks are not a huge ryan johnson fan currently because of his you know last movie that star wars movie which i enjoyed but i know others did not but i just think i enjoy ryan johnson as a filmmaker i think he really has a cool way that he frames and does his filming uh and i think knives out is a really odd awesome movie if you especially if you're into whodunit type films it does a great job with that genre and it's a lot of fun uh and if it makes me it made me want to go back and watch a, a few other of my favorite whodunits so definitely recommend knives out um ryan johnson does a great great job with it and if you didn't like his star wars movie uh, i think this is definitely a movie that you can watch and see how he is a very capable and quality filmmaker maybe just not in a genre that you really are super passionate about so <laughs> We'll leave it there. I hope that the movie comes.
2: So we have one movie theater in the entire country here, and usually they're playing like five movies, and those are the movie, and one's always like a terrible Bollywood movie. So I'm uh-huh. hoping that it comes out here so that I can I can see it in the big screen. He's actually yeah. from near my hometown. Brick that is like one of his first movies. Yeah, it took place. They filmed it at my high school when I was a freshman.
0: Oh, really? I just actually yeah. I hadn't seen Brick until just recently. I watched it for the first time. So that movie was great. Yeah, it's at St. Clemente High School. <laughs> Oh, awesome. Well, now look at that. Look at that! Look at those small world connections. All right. Well, William Herkovitz, thank you so much for joining us on this very special show. Uh, what would you like to plug for our listeners? Where can people keep up with you and all the things you're doing? Thank you guys for having me. As always, I hope that I can come on a fourth
2: time in the future. Uh... Uh, so, your readers can follow me on Twitter at Herkowitz, which is spelled H E R K E W I T Z. Or they can read my Toys and Games columns uh, in every issue of Popular Mechanics Magazine. For the upcoming issue, I'm going to give out my 2019 Board Game Awards. Uh, uh, the next issue, I cover two moves in a single game of chess between two of the strongest and most radically different chess engines ever designed. So, lots of fun stuff coming up.
0: Very cool. Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? Let's
1: do it. Uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at boardwithvg, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to send us an email at boardwithvg at gmail.com. We tag all our stuff on social media with hashtag boardwithvg, with VG, so please do the same. We want to see what you guys are up to, what games you're playing, etc. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is, whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Nice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone board with video games feed. You can find me on Stadia on xbox live on playstation network as why so serious that's s-i-r-r-i-u-s kyle where can people find you
0: so you can find me at all the usual places twitter instagram playstation network xbox live board game geek all at psychocross c-y-c-o-c-r-o-s-s As a reminder, next week's episode will be our top 10 video games of the decade, so be on the lookout for that. And as always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. Big thanks again to William for being here. We really appreciate it. And remember everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.